I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Well, today I'm excited to have Pastor Scott McClellan with me as we talk about John 13. Scott is the Outreach and Strategic Alignment Pastor at Irving Bible Church, and he's the author of Tell Me a Story, Finding God and Ourselves Through Narrative. Welcome, Scott. I am so glad to have you on the podcast today. It is a joy and an honor to be here, Jody. Thanks so much. Well, um, tell us a little more about who you are. And also, can you please tell us what does an outreach and strategic alignment pastor do? (laughs) Uh, I'm happy to try. Um, A little bit about myself. Uh, Live with my wife, Annie, and our three kids. Annie and I have been married more than 17 years now, which is crazy. Uh, we have a 13 year old, a 10 year old and a six year old. So we really have our hands full, uh, during the school year for sure. But then also during the summer as well, now that I think (laughs) about it, (laughs) um, yeah, I love to read, love to write music, um, love to, uh, run, be outside those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me as far as an outreach and strategic alignment pastor. Boy, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> we can make <laughs> so it up. <laughs> we can make yeah. Let's 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 see. I'll try something, and we'll see if we like how that sounds. Uh, so, outreach. Uh, I've just been invited to help Irving Bible Church uh, take some intentional steps toward uh, outreach. Not from a, a one-on-one. You know, we want all of our uh, members as missionary disciples of Jesus to be having spiritual conversations and, in you know, uh, cultivating relationships with people in their personal lives as individuals. But I'm thinking more about what does it look like for us as a body, as an organization to do some outreach initiatives together um, that, that can help perhaps reach our neighbors and reach our community. And then the strategic alignment piece is that we, we have a lot going on. Uh, we have a lot of, of programs. We have a lot of staff, a lot of people. We have a lot of things that we've been doing for a long time. And so the idea being, can we bring some uh, strategic alignment? Can we try to get on the same page uh, with some of what we're doing so that we're rowing in the same direction Yeah, um, and that, you know, making the most of what God has given us to steward? Well, that makes sense. I think that's probably really needed in a larger church organization. So I'm, I know you, Scott, and I know you are a very strategic person. So you're the right guy for that job. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, Hey, we are talking about John 13. This is just a beautiful passage in the upper room. One of the last moments that um, Jesus is with his disciples before he heads to the cross And it's actually a passage that most of us are probably familiar with. So we did this as an imaginative prayer with the goal of helping us like slow down and really enter Mm -hmm. into the passage and try and just see and feel and experience 
this familiar passage of scripture. So I'm going to read it to us just as a reminder, and then we'll dive in. So this is a reading of John 13 verses three through 17. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. All right, so it's a a bit of a long narrative passage with lots of color and detail in it. And so, Scott, as you started to reflect and just kind of imagine and let the scene come to life for you, what are some things that the Lord helped you notice when you did that for the first time? First of all, this this is one of the most unique, surprising, even quirky passages and powerful passages. Mm-hmm. In it is a long one at, at fourteen verses, but and yet there's so much packed into this um, that I was really caught off guard and 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 noticed a lot of things for the first time, um, despite the familiarity of it. So that that absolutely mm-hmm. speaks mm-hmm. to uh, the power of an exercise like this, and um, and not just skipping over the parts we know or think we know so well. So one of the things I I noticed again and again and again was the surprising nature of it. There's one surprising turn after another, right? That, that first of all, that the, the meal is in progress, right? John says that a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, or maybe a verse earlier than we start, but that Jesus gets up from the meal. So, so right here we have something strange happening, right? And then Jesus starts to, um, remove his outer clothing. Again, a strange turn, a surprise. He wraps a towel around his, this again, is a surprise. And then he begins, you know, doing this, um, this fairly commonplace ritual and yet would have been completely shocking to be there in the room. And that, that's something that you start to feel. Can you imagine 
you know, when we're sitting down to a meal, if anyone gets up, it's like, oh, what, what's, what's going on, right? You know, oh, do you have to go to the bathroom? Did you forget something? Did you, you know, is your phone ringing in the other, in the other room? Like, what's going on? And that, that sense of, wait, what's going on? And again and again and again, what's going on? And then, you know, Peter, as Peter always does, kind of gives voice to the kind of saying, wait, are you going to do this to me too? Mm-hmm. Um, that that we, we don't stop getting surprised. There, there's just one little twist after another in this passage that it really kind of struck me for the first time. And, and I've heard it taught often of like, now this would have been totally surprising. And I get that as a the big picture, the macro surprise of this passage, but the little surprises that this would have thrown them off kilter, that this would have thrown them off kilter, that this would have thrown them off kilter, that, that each successive move was more and more disorienting to those in the room really struck me for the first time. Yeah, I love that. I think this is one of the reasons why it is really helpful to do a passage like this in this imaginative kind of prayer posture, asking the Lord to really help us see things that we haven't seen before. And you're right. It is really surprising. And I think one of the things that I love so much about even what you just said is how Peter gives voice to it as he often does Mm -hmm. through all of these accounts. It's Peter that speaks up and says what everyone else is thinking. Right. <laughs> um, he's, he's kind of the bold one. And so in this moment, he's like, um, wait, are you going to do this for me too? And, you know, I, I, yeah, I, so I love that about Peter. It's one of the things that just really endears me to him. I don't know if I would be like him in that situation. I think I'd be like him in a lot of situations. I don't know if I would be that bold to say those things. I think I think them a lot. Right. So I do appreciate that about him. Okay, so your the second reading, I or I guess it would be the third reading, really. I invited you to try and enter into the passage as Peter. Now I know some people get a little; they don't want to actually try and be in, so to speak, the shoes of that person, mm-hmm. but they, you know, kind of become a fly on the wall. So either is totally acceptable. Um, wherever the Lord kind of leads you in that. But as you entered into that third reading and really tried to experience this from the perspective of Peter, what happened in that reading? So a couple of things. Um, one one thing was, was the quiet of it. Uh, we're so bombarded by noise. There's always a soundtrack everywhere we go, the grocery store, our AirPods, you know, people listening to this podcast as they pump their gas or whatever, or work on the treadmill, whatever it is, there's always a soundtrack. And I'm, and, and the first thing is I stepped into this scene was, it doesn't say Jesus got up and made a speech. Mm. It said Jesus gets up and starts doing things that no one expects. And therefore there's probably this hush that falls over the room and now it's quiet. Mm. And it's still, and it's evening in Jerusalem, you know, and so there's some kind of white noise, maybe from the street, but just, just quiet. And, and, and then that's when your inner monologue starts. That's when Peter's questions <laughs> start rolling through his mind. His mind gets chattery because the room, I think it's really quiet. 
Um, and so that's something that I, I kind of experienced in my imagining was I'm not imagining much dialogue mm-hmm. here at first, right? <laughs> Just a lot of narration. And then to me, this is, and this is the most powerful part of it for me and the value of attempting to experience this scene through Peter's, uh, through Peter's point of view, rather than a fly on the wall is the eye contact. Is that, mm-hmm. is that Jesus is making eye contact with Peter as they have this conversation. That Jesus is looking into Peter's eyes here. Mm-hmm. And, and not just it, speaking volumes in what he's saying, speaking volumes in what he's doing, but also just speaking volumes uh, without saying a word. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think about um, as a parent... You have to do a lot of gross stuff as a parent, <laughs> right? And and yes, you, do. I, you know, I, and I'm 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 a parent who's willing to do those things. The fact at 3 a.m. last night, my son was sick, and I was doing one of those things. But the look on my face is always like, <laughs> you know, I'm leaned back, I'm I'm making this really cringy, oh gosh, kind of face of just how disgusting this is. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm here doing my job, but I am not enjoying it. Um, and, and, and that's not the look on Jesus's face, mm-hmm. right? That this Jesus isn't like, boy, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm showing you that I'm willing to do the dirty work, but I'm showing you how unpleasant it is. I hope you appreciate this, Peter, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that I can as a parent, right? Um, that, that, that Jesus is, is not gritting his teeth. He's not gutting through it. He's not, gosh, this is awful. How many more, why do I have to pick 12 of these guys? You know, I've got to do all 12 that, that, and so that to me just was just so powerful to just see that from a first person point of view and not to read words, merely read words about the example that I'm setting and you need to do this for one another. And okay, that's our good, can be our Sunday school lesson for the day is that we ought to, to do these things, but to see the manner in which Jesus does this with joy, with love, with intention, with dignity, with power, with grace, with, with humility, but not disgust and not disdain and not reluctance. Mm. Um, that, to, that to me is a transformative image. Yeah, that is. I thank you for painting that picture for us. I just, I think a lot of times we have read this and we're like, okay, I got to go do all these things. I don't want to, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to love people that are hard for me to love. And I'm going to serve people that I don't want to serve. I'm going to do it because that's what you did, Jesus. And you have just painted a really beautiful picture of love and compassion. And oh, that we would be able to not only really see what the Lord was thinking as he was washing Peter's feet, um, but yeah, to have that, that moment with him is really beautiful. So I'm, I'm curious, then you, you kind of move one step further and after this experience that you've had kind of seeing through Peter's eyes, looking into what you imagine Jesus's face is looking like, 
you get to have a conversation with him. So tell me about that. Where do you guys go in that conversation? A couple of things, a couple of things. One, (laughs) here's a question that came to mind and it's this, what's harder for you, the giving or the receiving? Mm -hmm. The giving or the receiving. And I think, I think it's part of why it was so easy for me to enter Peter's first person perspective, because it's really hard for me to receive this kind of, of love. It's really hard for me to receive. You're going to do this for me, for me. and, And again, I'm willing to do a lot of things, willing to gut through a lot of things. I may not have a smile on my face. I may not have joy in my heart, but golly, I'm willing to do it. Um, but to receive, to receive. Um, and now for others, I think it may be the opposite. It may be that um, I, I don't want to get down there and do it. I, I deserve receiving it, but I don't, I, I, why should I have to get down there and do it? And so I, I, I wondered if that's, if that hits us differently and maybe the more we've dealt with shame or inadequacy or, or, or pride or fear or, or intimacy issues or, or whatever these things may be that it sort of surfaces. It's like, where does this trip you up? And, and that was kind of, I think what I sensed Jesus surfacing for me was, do you see how hard it is for you to receive like Peter? No, 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 don't, not, not me, not me. And Jesus saying, unless I washed you, you have no part with me. And, and, and that's tough. That is tough um, in, in some mm-hmm. sense. And, and then, obviously, that, that then Jesus saying, now, it's not just the act of doing it that makes you like me. It's doing it like me that makes you like me, mm. right? That what we were talking about earlier, that to, to do it in love and to do it in joy and to do it with dignity and grace and power and not with this, um, you know, did a skunk die in here? Look on your face. Um, I, I had a, 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 an insight last week in counseling that I, I can do this, what, what, what we call a, a sort of private martyrdom, right? I don't, I don't, I don't make myself a martyr out loud. I don't do it in public, but oh, I'll do it in private, right? Because I'm, what I'm willing to do and the punishment, the suffering and the menial things that I'm willing to do, um, and maybe not with a smile on my face, but I'm willing to do it. And, and Jesus is doing this in love. You have to let me do this for you. And then you need to see what I'm doing for you. And you need to do this for one another, uh, that, that really shook me up. Um, and, but it's this reminder that, that, that the way of Jesus is a way, right? That, that Christ likeness is being like Christ right. and not, not just the set of beliefs and not just creeds and confessions, but actually living as becoming like this person, this savior, this Messiah, um, and boy, what a, an invitation that is. And yet it's, it's, it's not an easy road to walk either. 
Um, and so that's, I don't know, I'm sort of processing out loud, but that was very much mm-hmm. in our conversation, these things that sort of came, came flooding to my mind. Yeah, it's so good. I think I really resonate well with both of your points, but with the being able to receive. And I think as you were saying that, what kept running through my mind is I struggle to receive because that means I'm in a, a powerless position, right? Like mm. I've lost whatever control or I've lost or something has come into my life that has thrown it into disarray or there's something that makes me needy. And that is, is not a position that I like to be in. (laughs) And so it is hard to receive. Um, And when people want to do things for me, when I am in those positions, because inevitably it happens, um, I find that I kind of, no, I've got it. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can take care of it. No, I don't need help, you know? And so that's just kind of my natural posture. So I totally, that's what was rolling through my mind when you were saying that. Um, and then the second thing I think then is about then how do we actually give to others? And what you said is so powerful. We need to do it like Jesus, not, not the actual working out, doing the act like we see him doing, but doing it with the heart that we see him doing it with. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's incredibly powerful. So any other thoughts on this passage or where you guys went? Yeah. I- there's there's something that just really really struck me, and that is uh, maybe you've heard people talk about the Beatitudes this way of like when you listen to the Beatitudes and you think, well, how in the world can you know the, the, to the point that some people say, well, these aren't you can't actually live that way. Jesus was given the Beatitudes to make the point that you can't live that way, and therefore you need grace. And what I actually, what I'm more inclined to say is I can't live that way. So I need power. I need Jesus's help. I need the spirit. Right. And, and that's what this passage took me to as well of like, how in the world I I don't have it within myself in and of myself to live this way, to treat other people this way. I'll show up and I'll do what, what needs to be done. Like I said, I'll, you know, do the, the gross parent stuff, but to do it with the heart, like you said, of Jesus, that I actually can't manufacture that heart within myself and I don't possess it naturally. And yet when you go back to the beginning of the passage, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. Yeah. And, and, and there's something about the incredible amount of power required to empty yourself of power, to empty yourself of status, to empty yourself of, of yeah. glory and entitlement and pride and position. And that, that that's, I think, part of what, um, part of what this is for me and part of what maybe for everyone is this idea that I can't, that that's not me just in the same way that it wasn't any of the disciples either, by the way, it wasn't Peter either, by the way, it wasn't mm-hmm. Peter yet, by the way, that's right. Yeah. But we see, uh, so I thought about the way we see Peter entering the house of Cornelius 
right? Led by, empowered by the Holy Spirit in, in Acts. I think Acts chapter 9, I meant to look that up. Um, we see Peter humbly serving yeah. someone else in a way that we don't anticipate based on Gospels, Peter. And yet he's got the power of the Holy Spirit that's giving him this heart to serve and to go on to serve the church of Jerusalem and, and all of that in such a way that, that I think this idea of Jesus saying, well, you know, I've set this example for you. You'll be blessed if you do this like I have done and to say, well, okay, I can't do that in and of myself, but how did Jesus do it? Well, Jesus did it with the power of the Holy Spirit resting on him, right? Jesus did it with the power that the father had given him. And so if, if I am to do that, if I am to uh, begin to live in this way, it's going to have to be with that same power, right? That mm-hmm. the same power that raised Christ from the dead that works within you, right? That, that a passage like this, an invitation like this, isn't to make a new, you know, isn't to make new Pharisees out of us, right? But rather to make us completely dependent on the spirit of Christ to live in the way of Christ, Right. And, and so that's, that's where I came back to. Um, I can be tempted toward despair because I'm not a naturally um, humble and, and a person who's attentive to the needs of others and delights in serving, meeting the needs of others. Um, and yet God's power is sufficient to, um, to work that in me and through me. I think. Yeah. I keep, I love that you pointed out the fact that Jesus when he gets up to do this, it's because he fully knows who he is. So doing this menial nasty, it's like, it's like the equivalent of cleaning toilets, right? right? So like he's, he's doing that for these men because he knows who he is. So he can do this work knowing who he is. And, you know, the other thing that really strikes me about this is every single one of them is about to deny him. And one of them is about ready to betray him. Mm -hmm. And he knows this. Mm -hmm. So he not only is doing this work for people that do love him, but they're, they're going to get scared and they're going to run away. They're not actually going to stay loyal to him in this like crucible moment. And he still washes their feet. And I think what a gift it is to see him doing that because that's what he does for us. Like it so encourages my soul to know that he knows. I am going to fall away again. He knows I'm going to wander into sin. He knows I'm going to wander into doubt. And yet he still loves me and serves me and gets down on his knee, which is kind of what I imagine. I know they're all sitting uh, kind of reclining at the table really, but like, I imagine I'm looking a little down at his face and he, he's still, that's just this humble posture that our God takes. And that's really hard to wrap our heads around. Yeah. Almost impossibly hard to wrap our heads around. Um, and yet John wants us to know that, that Jesus knows his hour had come, that he was returning to the father. And so the events of that evening and of the next day are on Jesus's mind. And, and therefore, you know, the text, the English translation says, so meaning these things are connected that Jesus knows this, mm-hmm. so he does this. And, and that baffles the mind in, in so many ways, um, and yet adds this um, gravity to it, 
that it wasn't, you know, you'll never believe Jesus decided one day to do this. And then it turns out that was the last meal they ever had together because the next day he, he got, he, he, he was killed. That's right. It's like, no, Jesus knew what the next day held. Jesus knew this was the last meal. He knows what awaits him. And therefore he does what he does. He knows that they will all fall away. And he says, but I'm going to go ahead of you into Galilee. That's right. And yet calls Peter clean. Oh, you are clean. All of you are, except for this one guy, right? Even though, and so even holding that together in this reading of the passage that he calls them clean, even with their denial, even with Peter's denial looming, yeah. you are clean. You have a part with me. That um, Yeah, it's just really powerful and, and helps us know who we are in the way that Jesus knows who he is. Yeah. I wonder how many times Peter reflected back on this moment with Jesus. I mean, there's actually some really powerful moments that are stacked up on each other. And of course, all the other ones he's experienced as well. But I wonder how many times he came back to this and just saw the love and compassion in God's eyes, in Jesus's eyes. And that fueled him to continue moving forward, sharing the gospel under all circumstances, because there's a point where he does not turn back. There's no more denying Peter. There's no more doubting Peter. He is just Mm -hmm. going and he's like this, I will die for this. And he does. It's pretty amazing. There's what transformed Peter that we see early in Acts, but then there's what sustains Peter as well. And I have to think that it was these stories, these interactions, mm-hmm. and, and that that shaped Peter as as a person and as as a as a disciple, but also as a pastor mm-hmm. uh, and as and as an evangelist and apostle, um, and, and that's pretty powerful to have that as what you would return to yeah. or what fuels you or the the foundation on which you serve from and live from and lead from. Um, it's pretty hard to beat that. So good. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Scott. I have loved diving into this passage with you. And um, I would love to just let people know where they can find you. You have a really great Twitter account. So I think everyone needs to follow that if you're on Twitter. So why don't you just tell us where we can find you? Sure. On Twitter, I am at Scott McClellan, S-C-O-T-T-N-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N. If you can spell all that, if not, best of luck. I'll put it in the show notes. Sounds good. (laughs) That's a lot of double, double letters. I know it. Hey friends, I just want to say, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it. If you would take a moment to subscribe to it, share it, review it, do all the things. It just matters a lot. And so I want to thank you for that. And lastly, I just want to thank you all for joining me again on so much more because we do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, 
You can listen to daily devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.